Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. You want to take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter number three this morning. Colossians chapter number three. And we're going to continue in our series on complete in Christ, complete in Christ. Colossians chapter number three, and we're going to look at verses number 12 through verse number 17 this morning. And uh, I do want to say I'm, I'm glad to be back here at Fellowship, and uh, it's always hard when you leave your church family, um, but it is good to be back, and I am so thankful for uh, just Pastor Josh and the wonderful message that he preached. I went back and listened to that and uh, just on uh, how we need to kill sin uh, before it will kill us, amen? Uh, that's important. And uh, thankful for him, thankful for you all, thankful to be back in your prayers. And so we're going to continue in the book of Colossians. And let's look at verse number 12. The Bible says this, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I want to preach on the subject this morning, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do love you. We're so thankful for who you are. God, we ask that you would just have your hand, uh, your touch upon Miss Martha this morning. God, she needs a miracle. Be with the family. Father, as we get into your word, I pray that you would be magnified, that you would be uplifted in our hearts and in our minds. And that God, uh, that we would, would strive to clothe ourselves with these virtues, with these things that you tell us to because of our new position that we have in Christ. God, I pray that you would just help us today, encourage us where we need that encouragement. Would you convict our hearts where we need that conviction in our lives today? Open our hearts, our minds. Pray that we're receptive to your word. Lord, be with me. I need you. I ask that you'd give me the words to say this morning. In your precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You understand that clothing styles change often, don't they? Um, It's very interesting to see that uh, certain clothing styles that, that were in the 80s, they eventually come back, right? Um, the ones that were in the 90s, they'll eventually come back and they're constantly changing. Uh, I wouldn't say I necessarily have a style. I like to just wear whatever's comfortable, right? That's my style. Um, but, but styles are, are typically changing. But spiritual dressing and is, is different um, than, than the styles of our physical clothing. Because what was in style in the first century spiritually is still in style in the century we live in today, amen? You see, and the fact is, is that 
in the 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 spiritual clothing is it always in style anytime and anywhere. And Paul gives us here in this passage of scripture four essential pieces of Christian spiritual clothing for the child of God. And we must understand that they are always appropriate. They are always in season. Um, and, and those that we're going to talk about today are love, peace, thanksgiving, and the word of Christ. These are the things. You see, Paul begins the, the letter to the Colossians. He begins chapter number three by stating that we have been set free in Christ. Amen? And that we are to seek those things which are above. We are to set our minds on the things above. And that's only possible, why? Because of our new position that we have in Christ. We have been raised with Christ. We are hidden in Christ today. And one day we will appear in glory with him. That is our future. That is our position in Christ. And because of that, we are able to focus on the things above. We are able to put on these things. And, and, and as we talked, as Pastor Josh talked about last week, because of our new position in Christ, we are to mortify sin. We are to kill it. We are to mortify it, put off the life of our old self. And I think that was, that was explained very well last week. And we are to now put on the things that characterize our new self. Put off and put on. You understand we are, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is your new position in Christ. You now have a new identity in Christ. And uh, Pastor Josh mentioned this last week, and I loved it. Our new identity in Christ requires us to take sin seriously. Amen? Our new identity in Christ requires us to take sin seriously. And I'll add to that in our context this morning, our new identity in Christ, it requires us to put on and clothe ourselves. And so Romans 13, 14, it says this, but ye, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We are to put on Christ. So as we look at this passage of scripture, what does Paul say to put on or to clothe ourselves in. First of all, I want us to see love. He says, in love. Look at verses 12 through 14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectiveness. Now we have to understand here, we have to see here in verse number 12, he says, put on therefore. That word therefore links these verses to verses one through 11, right? Uh, because we have been raised in, with Christ, we are dead to sin, we are hidden in Christ, therefore put on these things. Put on these things. Paul then begins to, to provide a further motivation of why we should put on these things. What does he say? He says, the elect of God. Understand that we have been chosen by God. Now, I'm not gonna get into uh, that, that the whole election thing today. Remind me to preach a message on that uh, one day. But we're not gonna dive into that. But understand, 
salvation begins with God. Amen? It begins with God and his grace. And you understand, I don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve salvation. We can do nothing to merit salvation. He chose to die for the sin of the world. He chose. He chose us. But not only that, we have been set apart by God. He says, holy. We are now holy. What does that mean? We are set apart from sin. We are set apart from Satan. We are set apart from selfishness. We are set apart from the systems of this world. And and we're also, as being holy, we are set apart unto the Savior and his service and his will for our life. So listen, Paul says, hey, not only have you been raised with Christ and you're dead to sin, that you need to put on these things, but also you've been chosen of God. You have been set apart and holy. But then he says, and beloved. We're special to God. Amen? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Aren't you thankful that you're loved by Jesus today? He says, therefore, therefore, put on therefore. You see, because, I want you to get this, because of our new position in Christ, we are now to put on. Because of your new position in Christ, you are now to put on. You know, put on there, and the phrase there is an imperative. It's an imperative. The main object, object of this imperative to put on is the word love. Verse number 14 says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You see, verse number 12 provides a five-fold description of what this love that we are to put on above everything else will look like. And let me say this, these are qualities that Jesus Christ had when he lived on this earth, amen? Perfect, he was perfect in all of these things. Christ was clothed in these things. What does he say? He says, with bowels of mercy. This part of love, it entails bowels of mercy, a compassion. You know, Jesus, when he lived on this earth, he was moved with compassion all the time. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He wept for them. He fed them. He healed them. And understand Christians today, we should put on bowels of mercy. We should should be the greatest helpers of the poor. We should be the greatest helpers of those that are in need, the weak, the sick. We should be there for them. Compassion is love and action that is rooted in a tender heart. Bowels of mercy. We are to have that put on bowels of mercy. Let me ask this. When's the last time you weeped for someone else? When's the last time you weep for someone else? This, this word bowels of mercy is reaching in from the innermost part of your being and being moved by that with compassion. Bowels of mercy, but he says also kindness. This is the virtue of, of someone whose neighbor's good is as important to them as their own whose neighbor's good is, is, is as, as important as it is to your own. I love the story of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter number 10, we find that this individual, this, this believer, he, he came uh, to this individual who had just been beaten, not to mention he was one of his enemies, a cultural enemy. And, and what did he do? He bound up his wounds. He gave significant amount of money. He took him to the end and, and he, he did all of this at the personal cost to himself. Kindness. 
Are you living with kindness in your life today? Are you putting on kindness? Because listen, if you've been raised with Christ and you're dead to sin, then you should put on these things. Put on kindness. But not only that, humility. It's the attitude that esteems others better than oneself. That's Jesus modeled that for us, didn't he? He left his throne. He he left heaven to, to be born of a servant, to be a servant for us, to die for us. It is, he's the ultimate picture of humility. Are you putting on humility, church? He says meekness. It, it, is, it is strength that is brought under control. It's a willingness to suffer injury rather than inflict it. Meekness. Are you putting on meekness? He also says long-suffering. This word is, is literally, it means long temper. You know the short-tempered person speaks and acts impulsively and lacks self-control? You see, when a person is long-suffering, he can put up with provoking people or circumstances without retaliating. We need that in the Baptist church, amen? We need that in any church. We need that in any. When we have a body of believers, we must be, be able to have self-control, right? Because people can make you mad. People can make you upset if you're not careful. Long-suffering, put on long-suffering. But then we see the results from putting on these things. You see, these inward things that we are to put on manifest themselves on the outside. How does this happen? He says, the love that that was made possible by our new life in Christ, it continues to forbear and forgive. Those words forbearing and forgiving are both in the present tense participle, meaning that we are to continually forgive, continually forbear one another. And when we put on love, that is an evidence of our love, of of putting on that spiritual clothing in our lives. He says, forbearing one another. That means to endure hardship or difficulty for another out of a heart of concern for the well-being of their soul. Listen, we have a family right now that needs us to forbear, right? To be there for them, to reach out to them. We, we we, We have to do that as a part of putting on love but also forgiving one another. You know, that may be one of the hardest. It probably is the hardest spiritual clothing that we should put on. It's forgiveness. Forgiving one another. But it must, it's probably the most important. Why? Because without forgiveness, we put on bitterness. Without putting on forgiveness, we put on bitterness. And bitterness becomes a cancer, which can destroy the body of Christ. Forgiveness is an action, listen, based on choice and not emotion. Forgiveness is an action based on choice and not emotion. We have to intentionally put on these things, intentionally put on love, forgiving one another. Not every relationship that has caused us hurt is going to be restored, but every hurtful relationship needs forgiveness. Every hurtful relationship needs forgiveness because the person who fails to forgive, not only carries an unnecessary reminder of their hurt, but also falls short of God's command. So how do we get there? How do we get to this place of forgiveness in our life? The key is found in verse number 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Listen, what's the key? 
We will never forgive someone as much as God in Christ has forgiven us. We'll never reach that. And he says we are to continually forgive. The rest of our lives, forgiving. Putting on forgiveness. Putting on love. Look at verse number 14. It says this. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Perfectness. Listen, so when we have clothed ourselves in Christ, love begins to appear. Amen? When we clothe ourselves in Christ, love appears. When love rules in our lives, it unites all of these spiritual virtues that we just talked about so that there is perfect harmony. Love brings it all together. Love ties it all together. So he says, put on love. You are dead. You are dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. You've been risen with Christ. Mortify your sin. Kill your sin and put on love. Put on love. But not only that, we see here in this passage of Scripture, clothe yourself in peace. Clothe yourself in peace. Look at verse number 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. You know, as believers, we are to continually let peace rule in our hearts. Continually let peace rule in our hearts. Paul addresses two facets of the peace of Christ that we are to clothe ourselves in. Understand, listen, be controlled by peace. Be controlled by peace. The peace of Christ is to what in our lives? Rule, right? It is to rule where? In our hearts. That word rule is an athletic term that means to act as an umpire, to arbitrate as the decision maker. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that, that we are to let the peace of Christ be the final word in our hearts. Let the peace of Christ be the final word in our hearts. Let it decide what is right and let it make the call time and time again in your church. Church, listen, you know what's gonna keep us from a lot of problems and contention here at Fellowship Baptist Church, it is that when we let the peace of God rule in our hearts. It's gonna keep us away from a lot of contention, a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, a lot of complaining. Let the, the, the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it, let it help you decide what is right within the church, but also accept the call to peace. You see, the peace of Christ is something to which we have been called in one body, the Bible says. Called in one body. You know, as if you're here today and you've been raised with Christ, you're dead to sin. You are a part of a family. Amen? You are a part of a community. We are one family. We are one community. We are one body. And understand, for us to fight and complain with each other is just crazy to me. For us to fight and complain with, with each other, listen, that's insane for us to do. Why? Because we are one body. We are one heart. We are to be of one heart and we are to let the peace of God, the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We are to, to stay away, accept that calling to peace. Let me say this, how inconsistent is it for us who, who have experienced the peace of God to go to war against each other. To go to war against ourselves. 
a lot of times in, in our churches today, we draw these battle lines and if anyone crosses it, they dare, right? If anyone crosses this battle line, you're gonna be attacked and we choose sides and we take shots at one another. What a shame that is for the church. We are to let the peace of God rule in our heart. Because it's a shame to the church, but it's also a tragic witness for the world to see that as bodies of believers. When there is, and we must understand that, that because we of our new position in Christ, we must, yes, put on love, but we also must put on peace. Let the, the peace of God rule in our hearts. And here's the wonderful thing. When there's peace in your heart, there will be praise on your lips. When there's peace in your heart, there will be praise on your lips. What does he say here at the end of verse number 15? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. And be ye thankful. Listen, we must also put on and clothe ourselves in thanksgiving. Number three, in thanksgiving. He also says in verse number 17, and whatsoever ye do in word, or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. In verse number 15, Paul has this, this very short interjection. He says, and be ye thankful. But then he follows it and expands upon it in verse number 17. But let me encourage you on two things. Be thankful comprehensively. Be thankful comprehensively. You understand there are no limitations or qualifications to this imperative that Paul gives us. There's no, there's no limitations to this. We are told to be thankful. Listen, it is a willing act, not an emotional decision. Thankfulness is a willing act, not an emotional decision. And why? Because we are naturally ungrateful, right? We get angry, we fuss, we fume when we don't get what we want. We fuss and we complain when we don't get uh, when, when we don't get get it when we want it. We don't get how much we want. We don't get it in the way that we want, and we complain. That's why Paul said, "In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Clothe yourself with a comprehensive thanksgiving." And understand this: when we put on Christ, you're not going to have a problem being thankful. Amen. You're not going to have a problem being thankful. No matter what happens in life. But also, let me say this be thankful through Christ, verse number 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We are to give thanks to the Father through Christ. Why? Because in 1 Thessalonians 5:18, yes, it says, in everything give thanks. But why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'd say that's probably another difficult piece of spiritual clothing to put on is thankfulness. When we understand God's hand is in all things through Christ, then we can thank him for all things, amen? Someone once said this, we might be unable to trace his hand, but we can still trust his heart. We might not be able to trace his hand, but we can still trust his heart. Church, let me encourage you. You've been risen with Christ. You're dead to sin. Mortify, mortify sin. Mortify sin and put on love. Put on thanksgiving. And then lastly, I want us to see 
we must clothe ourselves in the word of Christ. Clothe ourselves in the word of Christ. Look at verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Paul uses this phrase here, word of Christ. This is the, the only time that you will find this phrase in the, in the word of God. The word dwell here, listen, this is, this is wonderful. It means to take up residence or to make oneself at home. You see, the word of Christ is to be at home in you, richly, abundantly, and in all wisdom. You understand the false teachers came into Colossae with man-made traditions and and with all these religious rules and, and human philosophies, and they tried to harmonize God's word with their teachings, but they were unsuccessful, weren't they? Why? Because understand God's word always magnifies one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus. You see, it was the word, uh, it was not the word of false teachers that brought salvation to the Colossians. Amen? It wasn't the word of the false teachers that brought salvation. It was the word of Christ. It was the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And understand this same word, the gospel, it gives us life now as we're saved and it sustains us and, and it strengthens us. The word of Christ or the gospel will transform our lives if we allow it to dwell in us richly. If we allow it to, to take residence in our heart. You understand when you allow the word of Christ to take up residence in you, it will encourage instruction. It will encourage instruction. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. When we allow the word of Christ, the gospel, to, to take up residence in our hearts, then we come to understand more fully each day the implications of the gospel and the truth that I am accepted so I obey Christ. Not that I obey Christ so that I may be accepted. You understand someone said this, be at home in the gospel story. Be at home in the gospel story and let it be at home in you. Here's why. So that it may be always ready for use. I love that. Allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. Let it take root in your heart. But not, not only that, when you allow the word of Christ to take up residence in you, it will encourage celebration. Verse number 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What does Paul do here? He, he draws a, a definite relationship between our knowledge of Christ and the gospel and our expression of worship in song. You know why I think sometimes it's hard for us to truly worship when we sing our songs here at Fellowship? It's because we truly are not allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Let me encourage you, church, if you have problems, if you have problems worshiping God through the singing here at Fellowship Baptist Church, maybe it's that Christ is not dwelling in you richly. That the word of Christ is not where it needs to be in your heart. 
where, where, because understand when you, when you truly understand what the gospel means to you and what Jesus means to you, when we sing, he is my all in all, let me say, we're going to be celebrating Jesus. We're going to be celebrating who he is in our life because, because we're allowing the word of Christ and the gospel to dwell in us richly. It encourages celebration but also it will encourage consecration. Verse number 17 says, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You understand because we have been raised with Christ, we bear the name of Christ. Because we have been raised with Christ, we bear the name of Christ. And that's a responsibility that we all have. And the Bible tells us here that whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we clothe ourselves in the word of Christ, when we clothe ourselves in the gospel truth, our life becomes about his glory. Our life becomes about Jesus Christ. Our life becomes about him. Church, let me encourage you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Put on the word of Christ. Clothe yourself in the word of Christ. Allow it to take up residence. When Paul says, allow that to dwell in your heart, it doesn't mean that we are to, to allow him like, like a guest or to treat him, Jesus, like a guest, not even a welcome one. What it means is to treat him like family with total freedom and access to every room, every corner, and every closet of your being. Allow him to dwell richly in your life. Let the gospel take up residence in you. Let the gospel take up residence in you. Church, let me, I know it's been a tough day. We've heard some, some tough news this morning, but as, as we close in, in this, let me ask this question. Have you been raised with Christ? Have you died with Christ? Are you hidden in him today? Are you a part of the elect of God, beloved and set apart? If that's you here today, then kill sin and put on Christ. Kill sin and put on Christ. You, you understand everything that we talked about today. Each of these spiritual pieces of clothing was perfectly worn by Jesus Christ. Was, as he lived on this earth, they were perfectly worn by Christ and he longs to see you wear them as well. So clothe yourself. Put off the old man and clothe yourself. Put on these things. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.